Most people have heard of phytoestrogens, but did you know there are beneficial phytoandrogens that mimic and support testosterone and more? The top source of these is pine pollen. If you're looking for 100% natural hormonal support for men and women, you've got to try this. Right now, Lost Empire Herbs' best-selling pine pollen is available for one penny plus shipping and handling. Go to GeniusPollen.com to find out more and grab yourself a bag today. No hidden charges, no trial offer, no shenanigans. Just a low-cost way to try Lost Empire Herbs' top product for next to nothing. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have uh, Mark Valencia, aka Self Sufficient Me. He has a YouTube channel called Self Sufficient Me. His website is also selfsufficientme.com. And so we're going to talk to him about his work. So, Mark, thanks for coming. G'day, Richard. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, tell me what, um, when did you start this self sufficient? you know, drive or goal or quest? And, you know, what was your life like leading up to that? Well, my life leading up to it was hectic. I was in the military with uh, my wife. We were both senior soldiers. I was a squadron sergeant major. She was, uh, she ran a medical center. It was a warrant officer medical. And uh, we were very busy. We had two young boys, both we had in childcare at the time. One was practically a baby. And it was just tough meeting not only the, the challenges monetarily because childcare in Australia is very expensive. Um, and it seems like you were just working for one wage and putting your kids into government care. But the other thing was it was difficult to raise a family, both work full time, highly demanding jobs in the military, always on call. And it was just getting, getting to us as a family group. And we just had to, something had to give. Otherwise our marriage would have given. So. We decided to, I decided to leave the military while well, we, we, I actually asked Nina if she wanted to be a home mum and, you know, in the interim, at least just for a few years, get settled back to city life. But she said, no way, I want to keep working. So uh, I said, well, bugger it, I'll give it a go. So I decided to become a home dad. And the thing was the, the, the drop in, in wage was, was big. You're going back to practically one one wage, and we had the opportunity to get into an acreage. We had three acres, we still have now, and I decided to grow as much produce as I could in the hope that it could supplement our bills, our, primarily our grocery bill, with a growing family, two boys, and we eat a lot, and we thought that could help, and it did. It helped a lot. It I, it was still tough, Is that first I would say seven, eight years, still tough, but it was rewarding. It was good. There was a lot of spin-off benefits that, that I found and we found as a family being out in the garden and all that. But that was how it started. And that was 2008 when I left the military. And it was 2011 that I decided to document this journey and, and I documented 
how to make things because people were interested then. First of all, people thought it was mad, friends and family, and they warned me against uh, leaving the military and leaving my career. But that that was fine. We fought all that off. Uh, we knew what we were doing as a family unit and we were much happier, but we were poorer, but we were happier. And in 2011, I started documenting all that. And then the website and the YouTube channel just was created and just kept on moving forward underneath its own inertia. Mm. So what were some of the challenges you experienced, you know, very early on when you first started doing this? Well, first of all, I didn't have much of an idea how to grow things. I thought I might have. I watched my grandfather as a young boy in the veggie garden. He was a farmer and he then retired into a small country town. It's a lot bigger now, Toowoomba in Queensland. It's about two hours west of where I am. And I'd watch him in the garden growing his strawberries and his veggies and his potatoes. And then, you know, years later, myself, I, I thought, well, I could do that. But it was, wasn't was that easy. And I, li- I didn't have those immediate skills. Like for my first crop of lettuces, I spaced them out way too much, waste a lot of space in the garden bed, and I didn't fertilise them regularly enough. They grew small and bitter and very spacious and uh, I grew them at the wrong time of year, which was coming into our summer, which made it worse. And then they went to seed real quick. So it wasn't much of a crop. And from then I realized I need to research this more. So I started reading every garden book I could. I started getting onto social media. Well, there wasn't a lot at that time, but you know, YouTube for, was, was, was just starting and what had been starting for a few years then. So I got on there and I started seeing if there are any gardeners and any tips I could get. And that's really how I I did it. But a lot of it was just trial and error, learning over the years on what grows best and how to amend soil and how to compost and all those things. Yeah, how much time were you spending growing things? And did that just increase, increase, increase? Or did you get better and it decreased after a while? Or what was that like? Yeah, exactly. First of all, I I actually did a lot. And I was lucky in a way because I was a home dad and my boys were young, you know, so it's it's change a nappy. I mean, I wasn't interested in watching soapies on TV or eating cream buns at the local, you know, cafe with all the other home mums. I was was more interested when my duties were done, I had a wash on or something and the dishes were finished and I had dinner half prepared. I was out in the garden doing the hard yards, digging furrows and preparing the ground and learning how to garden, particularly food gardening, um, planting fruit trees, uh, mulching the fruit trees and looking after them. So I spent, I, I actually did spend quite a lot of time initially setting up the place. Nowadays, I've got more than ever. I've got about 50 raised garden beds. I've got 140 plus fruit trees on our small acreage. I've got heaps of chickens and quail and, and a lot of other things on the go, bees and such. But I'm actually spending quite a bit less time because once you've got the garden set up, it's pretty much plant things and then let it grow. It's, uh, mm. it's very self-functioning and people don't understand that. I had someone the other day comment on one of my videos saying, oh, that's all well and good, but... Imagine how much time this guy has to spend out in the garden. And my actually, it was a radio. I was I was on radio 
uh, about a week and a half ago, our local radio station here. And, yeah, and the caller said that. And anyway, yeah, my comeback was, well, as a matter of fact, it, it, that's totally wrong. I do hardly any work these days um, full-time in the garden. In fact, most of my work is radio shows, editing videos, doing a lot of other things, answering fan and subscriber-based questions, doing my YouTube-type social media work. I spend more time doing that now because it's it's quite full-on than I do out in the garden. And I manage to do those both those things, plus still I'm a home dad. My, my missus works full-time, Nina, and uh, she she doesn't have the time to do a lot of things. So I've always got dinner on the table. I'm doing maybe not as much washes anymore because she helps out with that quite a bit more. But I'm still making beds. I'm still taking teenagers to football and doing a whole lot of things. And I've got time for it all. Plus, I've got time to relax as well. Most supplements are taken on faith and can take weeks or months to have an effect. Even supplements backed by scientific studies may or may not deliver those same benefits to you. But what if you could feel the results of what you took within just a few days? Lost Empire Herbs offers the highest quality, wild-harvested, non-irradiated pine pollen, and that can dramatically impact your hormones fast. Right now, you can grab it for one cent, plus shipping and handling, at GeniusPollen.com. That's great. How much time do you think you're spending tending all your gardens and... You know, what times occur where you have to spend a lot more time, like the initial planting or the harvest or, you know. What, uh, yeah, yeah, I would say both of them. Your initial planting probably is the longest because you want to get that right. And I could tell you a story about yesterday. We had a scrub turkey dig up all my seedlings. It took me an hour to plant out. And before that, it took me a few weeks to grow those seedlings into nice little plants that they could be planted out put them all in the garden bed, took me about an hour. And that next morning, a scrub turkey come in and teared it all up. It's like a big chicken here in Australia. They're wild. And uh, saw that nice fresh bed and tore tore it to pieces. I tell you what, I was pretty dirty. (laughs) And what I ended up doing immediately was setting a trap and I caught the bugger um, miraculously within a couple of hours. I put a little bit of dog food in the trap because he was pinching our dog's food as well. And uh, that caught him. And I took him about 30, well, well, in your speak, it'd be about 20 miles away down the road and left him off into the jungle. And uh, he hopefully won't be back. But yeah, the planting stage takes a long time. You know, it might take you an hour or so to get things right or sow seed. It's quite delicate. And then it's just a matter of tending that, coming out a couple of days, making sure it's watered, got some, got enough water, um, nothing's happened to it, like a scrub turkey digging it up, and then just leaving it grow on. You might do some weeding in between that. But if you keep on top of it, you know, it's 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there. But the thing is, Richard, I really love getting out in the garden. And I now with YouTube and all that, I, I, I'm fighting to get more out into the garden because I love it. It's, it's fun. It's, it's relaxing. It's good for my mental health. But even though I can't get out as much as I'd like to, I still get out enough to be able to have a good flourishing garden and flourishing fruit trees, and we get a lot of food out of it. So it's then Mm. at the end, you know, you've got your harvesting. That might take a bit of time, and then you've got to preserve that food if you've got a glut. So that takes a bit of time. But, you know, if you enjoy it, it's not really time is money to me. Just time is, is good for me. 
Hmm, okay. Uh, what, are, what are some of the pests that you have to deal with when you talk about this? Scrub turkeys is Scrub one. Scrub turkey. Yeah, like what, what <laughs> um, other ones? You know, I don't know Oh, mate, the weather here over this last 12 months, we've had rain, 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 and that's been tough. I've lost several fruit trees uh, because they've just got waterlogged. We've been here 16 years, and I've never seen it this wet in the backyard. But so, yeah, you've got the climate and you've got weather too. Yeah, that can give you some challenges, inundation and flooding or flash flooding we've had here in, in the last six months has been tough raised bed gardening helps me though they they are they're great drainage and they don't get washed away like say furrows in the ground do more expensive though i suppose to initially set up a raised bed garden and to build takes more time than straight in ground but so if you wanted to be frugal though straight in ground is the way to go for gardening food gardening and and getting by because it doesn't really cost much except for energy of digging in ground but so we were a bit lucky that we had raised beds and that helps. And but but then you've got you know the, the standard pests like like caterpillars and, and and grubs and that. But we we've set up our garden and we've grown it so such in such an organic way, uh, like a permaculture way that that really does work. Um, we've got a lot of good birds and good bugs that combat the baddies. And often I will just leave a cabbage, say, get eaten by grubs because the rest of them won't get touched. And it's food for the birds and food for the other bugs or good bugs that feed off the, these bad ones. So our garden is very well balanced and took a little while to get that balance. And, and I think that is the way to go if you're doing a home, if you're doing it at home at least. I, I can't speak for farming because... Right not a farmer and I don't grow in huge bulk but for for me in a home garden I'd say organic is always the way to go and then you'll balance out those pests and it won't be as bad as people think to grow without spraying. Before we get started I have a quick favor. I've been self-funding the Finding Genius podcast for five years now. I've done over 3,000 episodes and as you can see on YouTube we're up over a million views on the channel which is fantastic. The next thing I really want to push on is to get up to 10,000 subscribers because once we do, we'll be able to put a donate button and uh, we'll be able to solicit donations uh, to help keep the podcast running and to also get the Finding Genius Foundation moving along. We have a big project studying anxiety, depression, and PTSD and working on a product to help people overcome these problems uh, because I've seen them explode recently after the uh, you know the last two years of the whole virus situation. So if you would, please subscribe to the podcast. That would help us tremendously. Give us a thumbs up. And check in the description for Buy Me a Coffee. It's about five bucks. If you could buy me a coffee, I'd really appreciate it. It would help keep the channel going. And I love coffee. Thank you. What exterior in or external inputs do you need? You know, do you capture your own rainwater? This year you said it rained a lot, but um, do you have to buy fertilizer? Do you have or do you compost? Do you have to buy seed? Or can you make everything you need where you're at? Yeah, a lot of these things you can harvest yourself. We've got rainwater tanks. We have also a bore that's a shallow bore that's that's not too mineralized or salty, and that that the very rarely runs dry. Like in in a drought, like through our really dry seasons we had a few years back, it would run a little dry. It might take oh, two days to fill up a 
16,000 litre tank. So, you know, it's not too bad. You can always get water. Um, but yeah, the more water you can contain and save, the better. Through fertilisers, you can always make your own fertiliser through your own stock. If you've got cows or horses or chickens, the smaller you go, the seems to be the more refined that fertiliser gets. So you don't need a lot of chicken manure. They're high time nitrogen. Um, so you don't need too many birds to be able to fertilise your garden if you're on a small scale. Um, but then you can bludge things off, off other people and go to the pony club like I used to and get trailer loads of, of manure from the horses that they were just discarding and putting in a big pile. And, and I now use a dairy as well. That's the same thing. There's a dairy not too far from us and they give away their manure. So I use that. So there's ways that you can grow without having to buy too much. And as far as seeds and that go, once you've started your garden, if you're using heirloom plants, those that are self-seeding and those that are true to type, that they grow their, they grow from their own seed, the same plant. Well, then you just grow, you can, you can get those, you can buy those plants initially, and then you can just let them go to seed or a few of them. You harvest what you need. And then you can harvest those seeds and then forever perpetuate new crops. But having said all that, I don't mind also buying a few products from small businesses in particular around the place and buying new seeds. And, and, and the online community is good for this now as well, to try new things and new plants and swap seeds and all that. I think it's important to be part of the community and it's important for to let people know that I'm not a recluse. I'm not an off-gridder. I don't, I don't, that doesn't worry me if people are. Good, good luck to them. But I'm actually just being as self-sufficient as I can within a community. So um, do you sell any of what you produce to people or do you give it away to friends and neighbours or do you make just enough so that, you know, you and your family have enough? Yeah, no, give it away. I don't make money from any, anything that we grow here. And I prefer, and I don't think I ever will. Uh, if I'm going to set up a stand at a local market, it'll just be for promotional purposes. Maybe I might, if I've got a book, I'd sell that. But at the end of the day, I would give away produce and meet and greet people rather than sell it. And I do, yeah, give quite a bit away to family and friends, local tennis club or, or the local return services league here. You know, those types of things is what I'd prefer to give it away than, than sell it. We do preserve a lot of, uh, of the big harvests we have like say we've got a lot of corn we dry it and then mill that into grit or corn flour if you get a lot of eggplant yeah we can preserve that the italian way same with tomatoes and all those things it's nothing better than preserving your own food and being able to utilize that later so are you at your goal of being self-sustainable or self-sufficient or uh, how much more is there to go and what needs to what else are you going to work on well i find it very interesting uh so i'm you could say i'm at the goal uh, we could live off our property no problems and uh, we've even done that even at the worst time we're going through a bit of a drought and it wasn't a great time of year it was summer where we don't grow as many regular crops through our summer well winter season here is where we where we grow most of the traditional crops that people love, like the salad crops, lettuces, and the brassicas, like broccoli and cabbage. 
all those things you can grow through winter beautifully here. In summer, it gets so hot. You can grow things like corn in summer, which is good, but that's about one of the only regular crops you can grow. And you have to sort of delve into other things. But yeah, it, we're, I'd say we're, we're at the point that we can be self-sufficient, but I do love experimentation and I want to keep pushing myself to grow different things, harder crops to grow, things that aren't necessarily supposed to be grown here. So, and I, I share those experience, experiences also with my, on YouTube and, and other places, Facebook with my followers so that they can understand that you can, you know, go out of your, out of your box a bit and experiment with things and you never know what you're going to get. Mm. Do you use greenhouses or hydroponics or growing inside, you know, indoors or anything special or is it, is it all outdoors and soil traditional type stuff? Yeah, I have dabbled in, in a little bit of that. We've got a small greenhouse that I use just on a practical scale to raise seedlings or to put plants over summer. Say our strawberry season is primarily winter and I like to get a, a, several seasons out of the strawberries and then grow them for the runners. So if you leave them out into the, in the hot sun at most stages, especially if they're potted, they will get sunburnt and a lot of them will perish. But if you whack them in a greenhouse, you can, you can sort of tend to them over summer and that they won't be as, that they'll survive the summer and then they'll rejuvenate again in winter. So I can use it for that. Uh, hydroponics and uh, I do a bit of aquaponics. I'll do a oh, bit nice. more like, yeah, more like pond growing. It's nothing that, nothing hard. It's like growing in a, in a pond and I grow taro, arrowhead, those types of pond crops. Well, tell me, tell me how that works. How does your aquaponics setup work? And for listeners that don't know, what is aquaponics? Well, well, oh yeah, I, I guess it's aquaponics in the sense of growing with fish is a complete ecosystem. I don't do that, although I, I like, I like that concept, and I, I, and I find it very intriguing. I haven't never dabbled in in fish aquaponics and having that full cycle where the fish fertilize the the food through the aquaponic system and you're growing in something like volcanic rock what i'm growing in is much easier than that i just have a standard pond where i've put some volcanic rock in the base and then i've put some normal soil in a little bit of manure for fertilizer and then i've planted these plants directly into that there's no flowing water there's no fish or anything and it's Hmm. just like and I got that concept from Vietnam. We had a homestay in Vietnam a few years back and it was wonderful. And around there, the homestay, they had a moat of water and in that moat was they grew taro. So practically straight wherever you looked was taro plants growing and they harvested that as needed. And I thought, you know, that's really simple and I don't need any pumps or anything like that. I don't need to keep fish alive. And I grow taro in this, in this like a small raised swimming pool kind of thing that I used to use mm. for, for ducks to swim in. And so it actually had a little bit of duck manure already in there when I, when mm. I filled it with gravel. And that is where I grow my taro in. And it's actually down the back near the chickens. So if I need to put any new fertilizer in, I'll just mix up a little bit of old chicken manure and put that into the bed and, you know, fill it with water. 
and uh, that's where I grow our our water crops in. So it's not mm. so I dabble in that, but I don't actually dabble in full hydroponics and that type of growing. Not much anyway. Uh, it's mainly in ground for me and growing with soil. Uh, it's, I was going to joke and say that that crop tastes terrible. <laughs> it probably doesn't. Um, so what is so what are some of the hardest things to care for? You know, is it the chickens or is it, uh, you know, the fruit trees or is it vegetables, you know, or is it just depends on what the item is and it's, it has its own challenges? Yeah, there are, there are some things that are more challenging than others depending on your climate. Some things grow really easy depending on your climate as well. Like if you're in a temperate or cooler climate, you can grow stone fruit just so easily, and I'm envious of those people. Here in the subtropics, we can grow stone fruit now because over the years they've made plants that have a lower chill factor that can grow stone fruit even in a warmer climate. The problem is they're not very much adapt to that warmer climate in other ways, such as pests really destroy stone fruit here. Everything eats them really quickly. And we have two different types of fruit fly that lay or that sting stone fruit like plums and peaches. And I only need one to sting it and then it fills it full of maggots and it goes goes rotten. So for those trees, quite intensive, a bit like I was talking about before, for those types of trees, you have to net them, you have to protect them, you have to watch them, and uh, it lose crop. So that's tough. You have to be a bit tenacious to grow those types of things. I like doing it on an experimental scale. I made a, a really good plum Worcestershire-type sauce not so long ago out of our plums. But it, there is an extra effort to grow that. But on the other hand, if I want to grow citrus i can grow that really easy where we are whereas in a really cold climate it's not as easy but i can just mm. we just we're juicing oranges non-stop here we're sick of orange juice and eating mandarins and lemons on our fish you know it's plentiful but other things are difficult like say stone fruit and you've got your times when you're looking after animals even small animals like chickens we have one that's got a a, um, a bacterial infection in the eye. I've had to give that bird some antibiotics and look after it and isolate it from the flock. They're small things. They don't really take up a heck of a lot of time, but it's just an extra challenge. And people just need to be prepared for that. If you're going to keep animals and grow food, it does take a bit of work. The spin-off is, though, it depends on how, how that makes you feel. For me, that was a, an amazing extra kind of revelation that I found being in my backyard, working with nature, even though it's challenging at times, I found it always really good for my mental my mental health. I have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, from my military service. And I found, and I wasn't thinking about this until I realised what was happening to me, I just found that being out in the garden really chilled me out and it, and it re- re- rejuvenated my batteries and uh, it made me so much happier and, and relaxed. And uh, so it's kind of like my therapy as well. And I find that a lot of people have been messaging me over the years saying the same thing. And I guess it's like visiting nature too. You could get the same type of feeling going to the beach, walking in the sand barefoot, going for a hike, you know, looking at a beautiful view. Those types of things I think are important to humans. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What are some recommendations you have for um, people that are listening that, you know, they haven't started, but maybe they're worried about food shortages and they want to dip their toe in and maybe they're working full time. They just, they're afraid of the work. They don't have much time, et cetera. Like how can they get started in the smallest, most efficient way? Yeah, there is definitely easy ways to do this. Get some containers, get some potting mix. Um, You want the container to be maybe, you know, get three or four containers that are about a foot across. They don't have to be that big. And then plant into those containers a few things that you really like, things that you will buy regularly from the supermarket. Might be a certain herb. It could be, say, coriander. It could be basil, rosemary, whatever you're picking a lot. Because, you know, you, you grab a handful of herbs from the supermarket, it costs you three or four dollars and half of it goes to waste in the crisper by the time you get to it. If you're growing it into a pot, it'll keep growing. You pick it as needed. The rest of the mm. plant stays there growing and it grows back. It doesn't go to waste. But you're not really wasting money. You're just picking as you need and you're getting more than you need, really. And then you can always start preserving it. So you could have one pot that or container that has some herbs in it that you love to grow. You can have some salad crops in another one, pick and go lettuce, loose leaf lettuce, loose leaf lettuces. And these things won't cost you very much at all. A packet of seed is around two dollars max. And you can you can get thousands of seeds out of a packet in some cases. So before you know it, you could have a little chili plant in one to flavor rice and potatoes and flavor Asian dishes. And you can have salads in another some herbs in another, and some maybe easy-to-grow Asian greens like bok choy in another one. And, you know, you can mix and match, and you can be saving a heck of a lot of money in a small space. Mm, Okay. So what's the best place for people to get started checking out your material? Do they go to the channel and just start watching, or are there certain playlists you have for beginners? Yeah, I would say just go to my YouTube channel and scroll through the playlists and see you know, what you like, go to my website, do some searches, search for certain things, you'll inevitably find that. I'm not over preachy because I come from a beginner background. I'm not a horticulturalist. I'm just self-taught. So I try to, whenever I do a video, I try to make it as simple as I possibly can for people. So there shouldn't be many videos that seem too advanced gardening and food gardening isn't rocket science at all it just takes a little bit of extra time and it's very easy to pick up i say if i can pick it up anyone can but yeah go to my youtube channel website whatever and just have a play through it and uh yeah enjoy okay well very good mark thank you so much for coming on the podcast and imparting your wisdom it sounds like you're making it work for you and your family and uh, i hope people get a lot out of listening to this podcast Yeah, no, thank you, Richard. I appreciate you giving me a voice on your show. Remember, before you go, to grab your one penny bag of pine pollen for all the amazing, all-natural hormonal support that men and women the world over are raving about. Try it out and see how it works for you. All you have to do is head to GeniusPollen.com to grab your bag today. Within days, you may be able to notice greater energy, more focus, added recovery, and more. Again, please visit GeniusPollen.com to learn more now. Thank you. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. 
If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.